0: There's a song that we've been singing Monday evenings up at LAMP, which is our campus ministry at Columbia. And so, because we've been singing it a couple of Mondays in a row, it's been in my head all week long. It goes a little like this May the life I lead, may the life I lead, speak for me, speak for me, may the life I lead. Oh, you're catching on. Speak for me. Speak for me. When I come to the end of the road, and I lay down my heavy load, may the life I lead, may the life I lead, speak for me. It's catchy, ready? And if I sing something often enough, eventually I start actually thinking about the words. And so what is there about the life that I'm leading that speaks for me? And if it's the things I am doing and the life I'm leading speak for me, then what are they saying about me? That's maybe not a question on the mind of the unnamed woman in our story today. This woman with an alabaster jar of pure nard that she impulsively breaks and pours over the head of her friend Jesus. So wouldn't she be so surprised to know that 2,000 years later we'd be telling this story and remembering what it is that she did for Jesus on that day. Or maybe she wouldn't be surprised. After all, Jesus says, doesn't he? Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Surely she overheard that. Or maybe not. Maybe she has been stung by the unexpected criticism by some unnamed self-righteous unlockers. Why did you waste that stuff? Why did, you waste, why did you waste all that stuff? Mark doesn't name these unnamed onlookers. But the later gospel writers, the ones who came after Mark, the other three, can't resist deciding who it was who said this. According to Matthew, it was the disciples who criticized her. For Luke, it's a Pharisee. That's convenient if you need a random bad person pick a Pharisee, but for John, it's Judas, (laughs) even more convenient, because I think it's easier to picture somebody specific, especially a bad guy who's doing this blaming, shaming, and flaming. That way we don't have to wonder how we ourselves would react in a similar kind of a circumstance where it's so easy to pick nets, to criticize, to find fault. How would we have reacted? Not that they're wrong, whoever they were. 300 denarii was a lot of money. You might ask how much money. Thank you. It's about a year's wages for an average worker. And at least some of these disciples were probably average workers, at least while they still had their jobs. Surely something else could have been done with this expensive alabaster jar of pure nard. Surely something else would have been done if it had been left up to them. Or maybe not. Of course, the fact remains, it wasn't their nard. It wasn't up to them because it wasn't their nard. It was up to this unnamed woman to decide what to do. I'm calling her an unnamed woman, but... Just between you and me, I'll bet that Jesus knows her name. Back to the point. Jesus tells these unnamed onlookers that this random act of kindness will be remembered and told wherever the gospel story is told, wherever in all the world the story of Jesus is told and retold. This story of this woman's random act will be told. And like the song that we sang a moment ago, she lets the life and the love that she brings speak for her. And it speaks volumes, I think. We don't know what she has in mind at that moment when she breaks open the jar and she pours the ointment over the head of Jesus. It's kind of an odd thing to do, I think. Maybe it's as simple as this. Maybe she senses that he's tense and weary and and warm and needs something soothing and cooling and calming. That's like that in the way this scene plays out in Jesus Christ Superstar, where Mary Magdalene, who, by the way, is almost certainly not the woman in this story, but it's convenient, almost certainly not, but who is depicted here, She sings, sleep and I shall soothe you, calm you and anoint you, myrrh for your hot forehead, oh, don't you know everything's all right, yes, everything's... I just couldn't resist bringing Superstar into this. I always wanted to play Mary in that show. But whoever she was, whatever her intention... Her random act of kindness immediately takes on a much bigger significance, and it does that in in three possible ways that I want to share with you. First, it's, as Lee was hinting at, it's an act of extravagance. It's an act of extravagant love. In a world where we so often assume scarcity, this is something else going on. She acts out of abundance, as though alabaster jars of pure nard are just a dime a dozen which surely they're not second possibly it's an act of christening literally an act of christening an act of anointing if Jesus comes to be called the Christ which means anybody any seminarian perhaps the anointed one It's the Greek form of the Hebrew Mashiach, the Messiah, the one who is anointed. And if Jesus becomes the Christ, then this is the act of anointing, the only act of anointing that we hear about, that marks the Christ as the one who is anointed by God. In the Hebrew scriptures, the Prophets or priests are the ones whose task it is to anoint the kings of Israel. But Jesus is not going to have the priests do this anointing. Because uh, if you noticed in the story, what do the priests want to do to Jesus? This is like, they want to kill him. Yeah, thank you. They want to kill him. Far from it. That's a very different thing. They've set themselves up as his enemies, not His anointers. You know, Jesus never tells us not to make enemies. He just tells us what to do with them once we've got them. He surely has accumulated, by this point in the story, a lot of enemies. That brings us to the third way that this random act of kindness is significant, Jesus knows that he's come to the end of his ro- road, or at least the end of the road is, is surely coming. In a few days, he will gather his disciples for that one last supper. And then as soon as the supper is over, they'll go out to the garden, and they'll sing, and they'll pray, and then in a rush of events, Jesus will be arrested, he'll be imprisoned, and he'll be executed. He knows this. The disciples don't seem to have caught on to this, even though he has told them throughout the Gospel of Mark again and again and again, this is what's going to happen. And we're like, I don't think so. Or that couldn't happen. But he tells them, but maybe this this unnamed woman knows that. Maybe this unnamed woman senses that the end of the road has indeed arrived for Jesus. That the forces of fear and oppression have been closing in on this person she loves so much so Jesus speaks up and he says to these criticizers let her alone why do you bother her (laughs) who are you who to criticize her who are you who to despise her leave her oh man we'll have to do that sometime around here Why do you bother her? She's done something important. She's done something significant. She has done something vital for me. Literally, it says she's done something kalos, something beautiful for me. She's done what she could do. She has anointed my body for its burial. Well, we know the end of the story. So we might remember that events are going to happen for Jesus and to Jesus so quickly that there'll be no time after he's killed to prepare his body for burial. That's what's going to bring the women to the tomb on that Easter morning. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but finally, Jesus makes that amazing prediction. Wherever the good news is proclaimed anywhere in the world, she will be part of the narrative. He says, let this thing she did speak for her. Let this thing she did speak for her. I have come to the end of my road. I must take up my heavy load. Let this thing she did speak for her. You never know what big or small thing that you do will linger on after you do it, will matter, will have meaning for somebody. Because the things we do matter. The things we do mean something. And it's easy to think it's, the big things, if we do big things. But most of us don't do big things. But we do a lot of little things. And they matter. They matter to us. They matter to the people we love. They matter to the people we don't love. And they matter to God. They matter to God. Let's pray to God. Great, loving, and liberating God. You know us better than we know ourselves, and you love us better than we like ourselves. Let the things we are and the things we do speak for us. Let the life we are leading speak for us so that everything we are and everything we do glorifies and honors you who first loved us into freedom and sets us free to love. Amen. Amen.